Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Well, that was probably as routine as you could ask for, although there was still that pesky goal in the final minutes. But ignoring that, a brace for birthday boy Julian Alvarez, a return for Erling Haaland, and over an hour for Kevin De Bruyne, and three important points. This is Let Me Talk. I'm David Mooney. With me is the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee. Hello, Sam. All right. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, not a bad game. Pretty routine uh, win in the end, wasn't it? Not much to write home about. I felt. Yeah, it was fairly flat, wasn't it? Um, thing it could have been, it could have been five, six, or seven, but just when it got to the final third, it was just a little bit imprecise, weren't it? Mm. Because because of the way that um, Burnley set up with a bit of man to man and high pressing and all that kind of stuff, you know, City didn't really go long to beat it. But they had, you know, the combinations moving into the middle, moving it out, and then moving it back in, and um, just like individual player movement and getting. They always managed to get a man in like that big gap between Burnley's midfield and defence, and obviously they managed to make that gap between yeah. midfield and defence because they'd always they'd, they'd suck the the midfield in to press them, and then they're going to go with them. But the defence can't go any higher than the halfway line, so a big gap opens up. So whenever they did that. And sometimes it looked really... So sometimes in the first half they did it, but then the, the move would break down, whether it was Nunes kind of miscontrolling it or, you know, De Bruyne would try a pass that didn't come off. They didn't fully take advantage. In the second half, they got into more dangerous areas. They carried it more to the final third, but like just the decision-making just seemed a bit weird or the execution wasn't right. So everything was kind of there for it to be a, a 5 or 6 nil game. But it just didn't really click enough in the final third. I mean, it didn't. It doesn't hugely matter. You, know, yeah, you don't yeah. have to win every game five or six nil. And it's it's one of those at the end of the season. It wasn't bad by any means. Um, 
it's I mean obviously as a performance it was good but as a spectacle it's just one of those games where no one's going to remember it or look back on it too fondly at the end of the season yeah but especially at this stage of kind of recovery after Palace it's just another step in the right direction so you just go yeah it is what it is move on yeah it's interesting Guardiola's here's another 45 minutes yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's interesting Guardiola's uh, thoughts after the game that uh, he, he didn't I don't I don't think he gave in the press conference but he certainly gave on TV uh, where he like he, he basically said some games that we win 3-0 and 4-0 are uh, like they're, they're really close and, and and this just wasn't one of them and it's like it's like brutal in its assessment and honesty of the performance but it was just that wasn't it there was it, it never felt like even even at one and two nil. It never felt like Burnley were really getting into it, and it just felt like like if I was a Burnley fan coming away from that, I'd just think it was alarming the amount of time City were just getting in themselves into space in the final third. It just so happened that, as you say, the final pass didn't quite come off, or the like. The, the, there was just no punishment for that dominance in the end. Yeah, it was one. It's one of those where you could look at it two ways. You could say this is stupid. What are they coming to the Etihad? And doing that for, or you just go, well, fair play, that's their way of playing. And to be fair, when it's Burnley as well, I think most people who would say, what are they doing? This is stupid, would probably say, well, just put 10 men behind the ball. But Burnley have been doing that forever and they always get battered. In fact, they normally get <laughs> yeah, worse yeah. results. Um, so it's like, what are you going to do? Uh, but yeah, it was just one of like, for the first 15 minutes, and obviously because. Burnley didn't sit back. It wasn't the usual type of City home game where they just camped in the final third waiting for openings. But although Burnley made it difficult to to play to play through them and City didn't really create too many chances, Burnley weren't doing that either, really. I remember there was a chance to kind of play the ball in on the left behind Guardiol and they just executed it badly and company was like really annoyed because like that would have been a good chance because the guy would have just been running into loads of space. Um, but yeah, they didn't have much threat and it's one of those, I think if you're going to play, if you're going to play that approach at the Etihad with such an obvious quality difference as well, it's only going to last for so long and that's obviously what we saw. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned kind of uh, the recovery from uh, the Palace game. Uh, since coming back from the Club World Cup, it's now six wins in a row in all competitions, and it's the joint longest uh, run of, of the season for City. That uh, we've talked about City performing when the pressure is on. This is what Guardiola said after the game against Burnley. He was asked first here if the experience of winning previous titles by going on a run will be helpful for this season. I, I never am a big fan for what happened in the past. It's going to happen in the present. It's going to happen in the future. The reality is when we won 18 games in a row, 14 or 15 to win the titles, never thought to win 14, 15, 18. So we were there thinking, OK, we won this one. We know if we lose that game, we will be in trouble. We have to win it and one, one, one step at a time, one game at a time. And we did it and I think we're going to do it again. So now we are have, looks like in February, you know, we said in February, a lot of games. I know that in Premier League against especially this Liverpool that everybody knows. What is the same Liverpool we faced during seven, eight years and Arsenal? So, since Mikel, the first season settled the squad and now is there, so I don't have the feeling that they're going to drop much points. And, and that's why we have to win as much games as possible, one at a time, and after <laughs> at the end, we'll see what happens. When you were talking there about having the feeling that Arsenal and Liverpool aren't going to drop many points, is that when you feel like your players are at their best when they know they've yeah. just got to win every game? 
After we win, we need that pressure. It's a benzene to, to, to be active. If we are flat against the teams, I don't have the feeling I have in the past. So when we won a lot, a lot of games in a row, we had the feeling that Liverpool were not drop points. And now we have that feeling. You see the way they win in games. Most of them comfort, not comfortable, but winning, yeah, comp, comp, yeah. They, they deserve, I would say, deserve to win. So we have to, we know that, we have to be ready, the players know it. So it's what happened in the, these many years. We push each other every time and, and until the end, I think we'll try to, you know, to do the same. I know you can't guarantee that you are going to win loads of games in a row, but are you at least confident now that the, the players will at this point approach it in the right way? They're always going to have the right mentality at this stage of the season, whatever happens on the pitch. I, I, I would say the right mentality is there. I don't have any doubts about but I'm saying that right mentality will lose a game. And I said they are not right mentality. They have no consistency. They are, uh, you know, like a year this season. So it's not that. I think we're going to try, but knowing that we're going to travel, you know. Brentford didn't win one point, and in the past we won always with 1 0, 2 1, always with results so, so tight. So I know it's difficult, and this is the only way I'm concerned. I want Brentford to make relax until Monday, have two days to prepare and, and focus in, in, in there. And after we see. So <clears throat> the important, my feeling is still we are there, and this is nice. This is really, really nice after where we come from. There we go. Um, he's still got that pesky cough. Uh, can't get rid of that cough. Well, yeah, he's always seemed to got that, but it seemed like last night was especially bad. To be fair, I've got a kind of sniffle from from the from game, the game as well. So, the game, um, yeah. The fun, the funny thing about City and these runs is like I'm the same. Like you can't guarantee. And, you know, it, it would be easy for like a pundit to say, and it wouldn't even be a, a problem. But it'd be easy for them to say, "Oh, well, you know, with City, they 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 can go on a run of winning 14, 15 games." It's like you can't ever guarantee. It. And to be like last season, it didn't look like it was coming, did it? So you, like, you've always got to be like, there is no guarantee it's going to happen. And like one day it won't. But then it's like, they always do do it though. Not always. That's literally... I, and I the can, only times I, they didn't was actually the two seasons they didn't win the league. So yeah. if, again, if they, don't, if they don't do it, then maybe they won't win the league. But it's like, it does feel like it's coming. And then tying into that is the fact that, like I asked Pep, and then he said, you know, after winning, winning and winning, you need to feel this pressure that the other teams aren't going to drop points to spur you on. And... You know, it's all it is all coming together for it to happen again. Yeah, and like we say, it's like like it, it it's you don't know it's the the thing with inconsistency is that you don't know that it's over until it's over, and that's the that that's kind of like the 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 way looking forward. And we could be talking about well, this is the start of a run. They've won six in all all competitions, um, but if they lose against Brentford, then you kind of like well, that's back to square one, and there like it isn't the start of a run. But then suddenly we could be looking back, you know, at the end of end of March, going well, they've actually somehow they've won fifteen in a row here, and this is like that they're, they're on. That they're they're taking control of this title race again, um, so it will be interesting to to kind of see kind of how it goes from there. I thought it was interesting that um, like he's obviously saying that you know I can make no guarantees that we'll do it, and like he's feeling good about where the team are um, and how they're preparing for games and kind of what mental state they're in. 
but it, mm. it, it's interesting that last season, when none of us could see the run coming, he basically said, I think we're going to go on a bit of a run, which is not like him at all. And then now, when actually you, yeah. could, you could make the case for City about to be going on a, or, or, or starting one of the runs, given the, the recent performances and results. Um, and he's he's kind of a little more hesitant around it. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I suppose, if if anything... That probably just shows how uncharacteristic it was for him to say that before the Liverpool game in April, and now is more back to type. I mean, maybe he feels less certain of it, um, and you know there, there may well be little signs on the training ground last season and this season, um, which makes that the case. But I, I think it probably just shows that for whatever reason he said it last April. Obviously, he was right, uh, and maybe this time does want to be held to it. Um, again, it's not like. Because you you could think, oh, well, it is Brentford away on Monday. That's going to be difficult. But it was Liverpool last season. So he yeah, wouldn't yeah. have been feeling especially complacent about that one either. We know um, we know he doesn't yeah, sleep I mean, before that game. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, it's it's interesting though, isn't it? With the In terms of talking, well, we, we've gone straight to talking about a, a big run of games here, which is what everybody kind of goes to. But it is difficult to... It's not difficult to imagine because City do it all the time, but with the run of fixtures that there are, and I know, you know, if City are in that kind of battle mode now, or at least will be when they've got the difficult run of fixtures in, in March and April, then they'll be better equipped for it. But yeah, never mind just Brentford on Monday. There are some fairly horrible games coming up and obviously winning at Anfield, winning at Anfield would be like the perfect time to do it. Um, with with it being, I'd say hopefully the last game against Clubs Liverpool because <laughs> I can't be asked with another one. Um Although the FA Cup kind of feels inevitable. It, it feels inevitable for a final though, doesn't it? That's the thing, not at Anfield. Yeah. Uh, oh God, that would be a send-off and a half, wouldn't it? <laughs> for, for another treble. Uh, sorry sorry for speaking that time. into existence, everyone, but you know. Well, fucking hell, if you get to that stage of the season and then there's only, there's only that game and the Champions League final left, it might be quite grim, the build-up to that Liverpool FA Cup final. In some ways, worse than the United one for fans, maybe. <laughs> um, but you, you'll, you'll take that. But... Um, yeah, I, it's going to be difficult. And also, I think you can kind of easily slip into the narrative of, oh, City will go on a run and do this. They don't necessarily have to go on a brutal run. Um, obviously, in, what was it, 21-22, when they won it on the final day, there was a there was a big run in there. But, you know, they, they did drop points against West Ham um, on the penultimate weekend. Liverpool dropped points as well. It wasn't. It wasn't like eighteen, nineteen, where they were perfect, and that's absolutely fine because you shouldn't have to be. But I, I just, I don't think it's going to be a case of City winning fourteen, fifteen in a row. Maybe they do, but even if they don't, they can still win the league with that. You know, they're not miles behind Liverpool. Once the games are e- even, um, it can still happen. But obviously, we're waiting to see how that Klopp news is going to affect Liverpool. I mean, obviously, the early early signs are, are positive for them, but um, I don't know. It it kind of feels like. They've not been at their best all season and they're kind you know, kind of been a bit lucky in some senses. Um and I'm trying to th- I'm trying to put this across in a way that a Liverpool fan couldn't listen to and think I'm being kind of bitter about it. Because I'm thinking, you know, Carragher's always saying, I don't think they're they've got enough to win the league, they're quite chaotic, they don't control games, this kind of thing. So you could look at it like that and go, Oh, you know, they're not as good as they normally are. <laughs> but then why wouldn't you look at why wouldn't you look at it in the same way that we look at City and go, well, they've not been at their best, but they're about to get better. So they're obviously a big a big worry 
I was chuckling there because uh, when you said, well, they're not controlling games and they're not been at the best and they're not as good as they usually are, I was chuckling there yeah, thinking, exactly. does, it, does he mean City or Liverpool? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so obviously we know, we know more with City that there is more of a history of, okay, let's just let's just do it now. And part, part of the reason I asked Pep, you know, do you feel this is where they're at their best? I mean, it's an obvious answer, but he has kind of hinted a few times that, and I thought if he if he had an opportunity to say somebody wanted to to get off his chest, he may have said, you know, maybe early in the season when when we don't have that pressure, we find it harder. It's harder to kind yeah. of switch on or that kind of thing. And I I, w- I do wonder if that was partly the case um, earlier on, and it has, I think it has been in the past. Um, but obviously, yeah, once once it gets to the crunch, which we are kind of in or approaching, then we'll find out. We'll be back after a short ad break. Coming up in the second half of the show, we'll be talking about some of the individuals against Burnley, looking at Kevin De Bruyne and Matthias Nunes. See you shortly. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. Let's talk about some individuals, Sam, because uh, Kevin De Bruyne started. Um, and as we've been talking about, City have been fine without him uh, for the most part. Uh, but like, it's it's funny, it's kind of almost that sense of you don't really know what you've got till it's gone because uh, you throw him back into the team 
and you can see what difference he adds. And I know it's, again, in inverted commas, only Burnley, um, but the ability to speed it up, slow it down uh, when it comes to the, the attacks, uh, the adventurous forward passing. There was a couple of kind of outside-of-the-boot yeah. passes for, for Doku to run in behind, that sort of thing. Um, the quick passes to feet. There was the, the, there was a couple of times where he did that thing where he seemed to control it with one foot and pass it with the other, all in the same move. And it kind of like the penny drops is like there's nobody else in the team who does that, and that moves the ball quicker around the around the passes, and it gets it, it just means that the opposition don't have that half a second extra to get back into shape and to to work out where they need to funnel City. And actually, now that I think about it, it's not you don't know what you've had till it's gone. It's kind of you don't know what you've had until it's back from where it's been. But that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't fight you. What do you mean? It's it's like Haaland as well, like. Just the very presence of them on the pitch, like either one of them, but especially both, just means as the opposition, you've just got to be on your guard that bit more. Because you wouldn't want to play City in any circumstances, even without them. And obviously in recent weeks, City have been playing without them and they've been fine because they're still really good. And, you know, I think that the the best City version was before Haaland. I know which is controversial because obviously they won the treble. And I'm not wedded to it, but I, I kind of feel I just kind of, that's just how I feel. And also, the best version of that team, that false nine team, was arguably when De Bruyne wasn't in it. But it's just that feeling the opposition have when they're when they're on the pitch. When it's De Bruyne, it's like we've got to be careful in terms of dropping off a bit or watching your shoulder or being hesitant in in what kind of movements you make because you'll find that gap and then. When he's not playing, but Haaland is, it's the same thing. You've got to drop off because you're worried about his pace, his movement. Like you, you lose him where he is, and then the two of them combined must just be a nightmare. Um, so yeah, as as well as all that stuff you get with De Bruyne that you're saying, it's just that that general fear of what he can do. Um, again, that's why Burnley would have felt good with their approach, I suppose, in terms of go man to man and make it difficult. But just a team like City is always going to exploit that, and then. Yeah, when it when it's De Bruyne in particular, it's it was weird actually because I don't remember too many times when they got the ball to him in those positions, and he was the one motoring through the middle. I think it happened a couple of times, but it wasn't always. There was it was more often he was over on wide on the right, he was wide on the left for a little bit in the first half anyway. Um, but yeah, it was it was more often than not, like Nunes or Alvarez getting it in those in those positions. Um, De Bruyne charging through like that is more dangerous, um, but he was. It's just a, it's just a good sign, you know the the way that so far everything has worked. You know, substitute appearances, substitute appearances, training, and then starting a game doing seventy minutes. It's as it's as well as could be hoped in that sense, but also just how well he's playing. Like how well I was gonna say he's not rusty at all, and by, that's that, that's unheard of. When just going by precedent, injury, yeah. you would say, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think it just goes to show, you know, there's a bit of a different approach to diet and looking after himself and that kind of thing, and that that's obviously helped. But yeah, like it would have been easy because of precedent to go. Okay, he's probably going to need not just a few games, but quite a few games to to get himself back to his best. But he's been straight back in. And then, yeah, and then, you know, Haaland's coming back as well. I, I know that is just such a, it's such an easy, you know, if I if I had no ideas for an article after the game, you go, oh, the classic, and I might have done it already. 
I kind of did after Newcastle, actually. But it's that classic, oh, De Bruyne's back, and Haaland's coming back. Ooh, it's scary for the rest of the league. That like, <laughs> lazy narrative. But but like... Well, like, it's just true, isn't it? That's the thing. Stone's back <laughs> as well. But yeah, it's just true, yeah. And like, Stone's back as well. It's like, yeah, okay, this is... Uh, never mind like the battle mode, just like in terms of the tactics and the setup of the team, it's all it's all coming together at the same time as well. Yeah, you mentioned Nunes. Um, I thought he was excellent. And for a player who um, is obviously still settling in and still working out what, ne- what he needs to do, um, mm. that the, those problems we talked about earlier in the season about um, kind of knowing where to be, but also like just being on the half turn and being being able to to kind of receive the ball in the right way. Um, I listen. I don't know if he was receiving the ball in the right way against Burnley, but it certainly seemed like he was because he kept getting on the ball, yeah, turning yeah, and and kind of driving it forward, but riding the challenge to drive it forward. If you know what I mean, so getting the ball to feet yeah, and yeah. knowing kind of to go the full one eighty around the defender that had pressed him, and he just looked really good yeah he did um it was the game it was made for him really um I, I can't really sum it up any better than than city tactics jim did on twitter at half time he said nunez will split opinion as he's created things city fans aren't used to like runs in behind ball carrying centrally and he's not great at the things we take for granted like stable first touch and weight of pass we said but the game is changing look at burnley's high line and he breaks that and I can't remember if I've mentioned it on a detail show that hasn't gone out yet or probably on one of these, but you know, Guardiola was asked recently, are teams being a bit braver when they come to play you? And he's like, yeah, it's not just us. That's just how the teams are changing. They've got managers who want to do this. Like, there's there's far more teams in the Premier League now. You still obviously get teams coming to the Etihad and, and sitting back, but there's far more that will be adventurous against them. And you know, when it goes back to the summer and they wanted that ball-carrying option to, to just add a new dimension to the game that also works in those tight tight games but especially ones like this and you know when uh, what 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 particular combination of players was it last season and and even at Burnley on the, the first game of the season when you think oh well that's really attacking and you go oh yeah he's just, he's just playing into all the spaces isn't he like Guardiola he's not going to try and control this game he's just going to embrace the chaos and put on all his kind of runners and that's it with Nunes it's like you could have put Kovacic in because Kovacic has done well recently, but it's not that type of game. Like, Lunez is better suited to that game. And like early on, the first note I made was like Nunez runs in behind. Like To have somebody from midfield making runs off the shoulder is just really useful. Uh, he's not yet, I don't know if he ever will be, but a goal scorer. So, you know, Gundogan would make those runs and he would often get goals as well not sure Nunes will do that but again City's first goal came from him making one of those runs in behind again his first pass was just a bit nothing but he came back to him and he he, he made he made the good cross for Alvarez um yeah so uh, Jim summed it up well as him Nunes as a whole um and getting used to him and our kind of expectations of of City midfielders and what they should do um but he also summed the game up quite well in terms of Nunes because Particularly in the first fifteen twenty minutes, when City were trying to like break through what Burnley were doing, it was like just if you're just a bit sharper, mate. Like if you just get those passes right, then City are in. But he wasn't the only one on the night. And then you did see the other the other side of it. And when he is carrying the ball, it is a it is quite a sight to behold. So yeah, um, it was just the game for him really. And like we say, I say we because I'm using Jim as well. There there will be a lot of those games in the Premier League. Um, 
but yeah, you know, in a, in another in a tighter game, it might not he might not shine quite so obviously because that's not what his abilities are for. But if he's happy to not play every game just yet, but kind of almost like be a specialist for these type of games, then it'll work especially well. Um, and then you know, pick up the odd probably sub appearances you'll expect in in those other games. But it certainly feels like compared to say six weeks ago. Nunes and Kovacic are back higher up the pecking order because it did feel a bit like... Maybe this was just our perception of it, but it also felt like Pep didn't really fancy them around that kind of pre-Christmas period either. Um, but now it feels like they're proper you know, members of the squad again and there's a bit more versatility and rotation about, which is obviously a, a huge thing because you don't want to look at the bench and go, oh, those guys. But it's like with the Bob, Bob thing. You know now, if Oscar Bob comes on, there is a huge contribution he can make. You know, it's not the same as bringing on, say, Foden or, I will say, Grealish. But it can obviously do something. Uh, and it's it's the same thing. When you look at the bench and you see Kovacic and Nunes, it's important to think, yeah, okay, those guys can come on, whether it's to help see the game out or, or do something different or at least just be competent when they come on. It's a much bigger improvement on what we were thinking previously when it just felt like there's nothing really on that bench. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the the kind of like the scale of the substitute because obviously against Burnley you had Haaland coming on. I mean, okay, back from injury, but Haaland coming on is kind of like god tier ability to change the game. Um, and you talk about um, kind of like uh, Grealish and, and Bob and, and that sort of thing. And then at the bottom end of the scale, you have like, and it, it used to be Phillips, but you, you still have the the sort of like Sergio Gomez is coming on, so the game's done sort of thing. Um, and you kind of put uh, Nunez and Kovacic um, maybe maybe slightly below kind of like the Grealish level, like you say, but um, but a lot a lot higher than some of the other contributors from the bench, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just I mean, just in terms of that bottom tier you were talking about, simply people who can are trusted by Guardiola to come on the pitch is a good start. Um, and yeah, it it felt like maybe they weren't that around Christmas time, but yeah, they've. Everything just everything just seems a bit better. But again, is that just because they're winning games? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not, is it? Because Kovacic has played well recently. Nunes, you know, had his ups and downs last night, but he was he was good, but by all means. Um, so yeah, it helps. But a- again, we'll just need to, you know, the difficult game like Brentford, that's when you kind of need everybody to to come to the fore. But then you know, Bernardo didn't Bernardo didn't start yesterday, so there's an easy one straight back in for for Brentford, and then. If all of a sudden you've got, what, I mean, what, what could the team be? We don't. I mean, the Walker thing is Walker. Is Walker going to be back in? Was that just a rest, like it was with Bernardo? To be fair, probably. Um, he has done it before, you know, though, hasn't he? He has. He has when there's been things going on in the private life, just that, left them out. Yeah, he has left. He has, he has the players out. Yeah, although I think there's always stuff going on in private lives of players. Um, it's, I mean, it's an unusual situation, Walkers. You know, it's fairly extreme in terms of how to get yourself in trouble with the other half. Um, but I'd, it's it's not especially unique. Um, but you know, do you, remember, do you remember we talked about? I can't remember what game it was, but we talked about Walker getting subbed off, um, and he was fine when he got subbed off, and then he suddenly he had a conversation with Grealish, I think it was, and he just went mad, like he just really angry and stormed off down the tunnel. And you know, we we talked about that. Um, I did say I was like, there's one bit of information I've got, but I'm not really sure it's massively relevant, so I'm not sure. But now, in the kind of, with everything that's unfolded in like the three weeks since, and even if it's not directly linked, 
it's it's not it's no worse a suggestion than what we know already. But somebody said after the game that like Walker's wife had turned up at the stadium at halftime, and he, at the at the time you think well that could be anything, but what the fuck was going? Because obviously it was it wasn't long after that that she announced that she was splitting with him. So can you? I can only imagine. I mean, what would that conversation even be? Like, why would Grealish know, like, or whoever had told him? But imagine they'd said. Your missus is there, mate, and she's not fucking happy. Like, it, it, what? I don't know. It could be entirely unrelated, but just because, you know, it's all gone to shit anyway, there's, it's not going to do any damage by suggesting that now. Everybody knows the situation between them. But, um, yeah, an unusual dynamic for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of the bench as we were, um, like we say, Harland came yes. off uh, for uh, on 70 minutes or so. Uh, good news. Terrifying for the rest came of the on. league. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it was weird. When he mishit that shot, he didn't seem bothered by it. It, it, it was kind of, he was like, he was running around with the body language of somebody who'd done it in training and knew it didn't matter. Did he laugh? He, he was kind of, yeah, I feel like, I mean, I didn't see his face, but I feel like the body language suggested he was, as he was trying to like recover the situation and counter-press or whatever, he was kind of laughing and literally carrying himself like, oh, it doesn't really matter, which I, yeah. I, I thought was amusing. Um, and yeah, there, the, there the was a couple of times there, where, he, where he was in, and, yeah, where he was in and he kind of, he tried to play somebody else in or he went a bit wide because, you know, when he was in, everyone was like, there was that buzz in the stadium of, here yeah. we go, let, let's see a Harlan goal. Just, te- you know, just take the shot, mate, come on, just take the shot. You know what it's like, score. Yeah. Um, yeah, I felt like there was a bit of that just overall throughout the team. And I also, f- I seem to remember when Harlan came on and it came to like Doku running towards the box. I seem to remember there was one time at least where he, he was trying to find Harlan and it was like, I know you're trying to find the guy who can who's most likely to score, but I think there's other like, more profitable routes you could go yeah, down. better passes, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you, could, you could say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's just, that's just having having Haaland back. I mean, it's having Haaland full stop. You always want to give him the ball so he can put it in the net. But I think the kind of novelty value of having him back, especially with the game being, you know, 3-0 and, and pretty comfortable, it was probably more understandable to, to try and look at him. But again, Doku, I, I, I think you can kind of oversimplify Doku as being this player, and he obviously isn't because he's had games this season where he's had fantastic output. You know, the goal at West Ham, the four assists, and the, the goal at, against Bournemouth. Um, but there are games, you know, some people would say this was the case against Liverpool, maybe Brighton as well. He got an assist against Brighton, though, didn't he? But there were other times. But last night was one of those games where it was like, you you got your eye caught by the dribble. You love seeing the dribble. There's the buzz in the stadium. And then you just think, well, what's coming after it? And yeah. last night was one of well, those games. Let me, I know we're, I know we're doing Haaland, but we'll come back to Haaland because uh, let me bring this in from Ben, who says, um, on Doku versus Grealish, the pendulum has fully swung back to Grealish. Doku is a phenomenal dribbler and in time has a chance to really be one of the best in the world. However, it seems like he misses so many passes. He missed Nunez underlapping about three times tonight. In possession, he holds the ball a lot, allowing the defence to set up and preventing us from exposing potential overloads, which can dissipate in the seconds he spends fast painting 
And I did think of that end product chat we were having earlier in the season. Um, but uh, like that is that there is a weighing scale here where you can't you can't deny the ease at which he was getting in behind. That does offer City a lot more than 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 kind of other players in that position. Yeah, it's just that combination. And the thing is, I think the easy answer is it's it's a matter of time once you've got that ability to get in behind and you know create those advantages. It's just about capitalising on them. And I think you know he's already talking about first seasons. We can't really talk about. Nunes and Guardiola and say it was the first season, so that, and then you can't, you can't kind of look at Doku any differently. Doku mm. has already surpassed expectations, certainly for me. I think for most people, to be fair, maybe I'm wrong, um, but just because of that, it doesn't mean we can kind of judge him as like the finished article and somebody who's, you know, a fully fledged, ready to go City player, because obviously none of them are, and he isn't. Um, and like I say. You, you don't want to say he's this type of player because he isn't. He's given so many examples this season where he has got the end product. But there are times, like with Nunes, there's the great stuff he does, but there's other times he just gives it away so simply. So you just wait for that to click and go to the next level. There are times with Doku where people could easily come away from the game thinking, oh, he was great. Or, but then there will be other people who go, he's not creating anything there. And yeah, last, last night was one of those. Um, But in terms of like holding on to the ball and like advantages close, I mean, you could make the argument there that Grealish is no different. That's that's what frustrates a lot of people about Grealish. Um, you know, there's there's obviously differences in their game. There's no point in us talking about that again. Like if you're new to the show, listening, and you want us to hear us describe that, literally listen to any other show we've done, <laughs> and it'll be there. But like, yeah, there are differences in their game, but you'd, you'd have to say that element. It, can be fairly similar. Um, but I think with Doku, it's just learning the right rhythm and the decision-making. You know, if your natural instincts tell you to do something and you're kind of instructed to do something else, that's that's where a, a lot of a lot of the adaptation comes from. We've seen that with City over the years with loads of players, like Cancelo in particular. I think he was, he was you know, especially resistant to it. But, you know, players like Nunes... Doku, they're obviously they're obviously are Grealish. They're not resistant to it. They're they're trying to do it. They are adapting. And Doku is it's interesting with Grealish because he was too ill to play at Newcastle. Like, I saw him afterwards. Like you could tell he was too ill. Yeah, you but, said you said a few he weeks ago now. Horrid, yeah, yeah. It's, it was a few weeks ago now, and you just think, what are we waiting for now? But then again, it's probably just a case of Guardiola going. This is going to be an open game. Let's get the runners on. And against Brentford. It's not going to be that, is it? So I'd guess, I'd guess the Grealish is going to play against Brentford. Um, but who knows? It has been that case all season where you, you can't really call it. And, you know, when both of them have been available, he's he's gone with Doku. Obviously, that, that Chelsea game is a bit of a standout there, which apparently he didn't expect Chelsea to be so good on the break. Like, he, you know, if that had been a... It's easy to say United away because it did happen. But, you know, Spurs away, that kind of thing. It would have been going with Grealish but then again the other night different again so I'd expect him to start at Brentford but yeah that's an interesting one that's it for the free version of Let Me Talk there is more for members though go to lmtpod.com if you want to sign up for those longer and ad free episodes Uh, what is in this one for members Sam? yeah loads Um, Alvarez what does it mean now everyone's back possible transfer place in the squad all that kind of stuff Foden and De Bruyne are playing in the same team Alvarez too the idea of going ape 
the free kick routine, Sergio Gomez sticking up for Rico Lewis, and a live look at Ruben Diaz's latest, well, fashion show, really. That's all for members. Those ad-free episodes are longer and they're out earlier. You can find out more on lmtpod.com. If you want to send us an email, it's hello at lmtpod.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, so just search for lmtpod on there. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. Wanna hear you go?